Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Hello, this is Jamie with another episode of Culture Eat Strategy. As you know, I'm a big fan of Peter Drucker. He just, he's just amazing. Uh, and this concept just blows me away. And as a matter of fact, I had a couple conversations this morning um, and culture was right at the top of what we were talking about. Strategy is very important. Um, category design, as Christopher Lockhead says, is strategy. But in order to implement against strategy, you need to have a fantastic team or, or organization in place with trust um, and, 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 and being able to argue or uh, discover differences uh, in, in, a, in a way, in a shape or a way that everybody knows the ultimate goal is to provide for the company to be in a better place. And as we do in our own organization at Bottleneck, we make decisions. Anybody in the team can make decisions. I tell them, don't worry, it's not going to bankrupt us. If it's wrong, let's correct it. But everybody knows that they make decisions based on three things. Is it good for the company? Then, is it good for the staff or team? And then, and only then, is it good for the clients? And the reason why we do that is that if the company's not healthy, we cannot take care of the team. And if the team's not happy, how in the world can I expect them to take care of our clients? You can't do that. And I'm really excited. The reason I bring this up to you today is that I've got Janine Perlstein on the call for this podcast episode today. And we're going to really dive into a couple of different neat things about what culture is and then how to get started looking at culture. This is going to be interesting. I've never really thought about that. Like, how do you get started doing that, right? I just kind of do it? No, there's, there's got to be some kind of rhyme or reason, some kind of system or process that you can use to really look at you, your company, your team to implement and establish a good, positive culture, right? Because there also is a toxic culture. So let me get to the best part about today and introduce you to uh, Janine Perlstein. Um, As a sociocultural anthropologist, Janine Merkel Perlstein has studied behavior change across many different cultures, from the markets and prisons of India to the boardrooms of the United States. Janine has learned and implemented change strategies that have saved lives and made fortune. She's a business strategist, a U.S. patent holder, a revered speaker who worked as a medical anthropologist before becoming CEO of Alchemy Academy, where she has enriched workplace culture for clients ranging from solopreneurs to Fortune 100 companies. And when she's not speaking, she mentors organizations to grow their workplace culture, develop their leadership skills, and achieve a higher level of positivity, productivity, and profitability. She's the author and creator of Internal Alchemy, 
the Welcoming Abundance Blueprint and Stand in Your Strength Strategies, where she provides training to clients worldwide and certifies coaches to use her models for their own clientele. This work is supported by her book, Finding Your Lighthouse, A Leadership Guide to Navigating Change. Looking at organizational culture through the eyes of the anthropologist, she sees the practices occurring outside of policy that often go unnoticed and hold organizations back from reaching their goals. Janine passionately helps business professionals and organizations get out of their own way. How many times have you heard me say that? And become the powerful and recognized leaders that they're meant to be. So any further ado, uh, and you can learn more by going to standinyourstrength.com. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Janine. So happy. Uh-huh. Thank you. So great to be here with you, Jamie. I'm really thrilled. The the fact that you have a podcast about culture and how it trumps strategy, as Peter Drucker said, is just um, the highlight of, of my time here. It really is just so beautiful. Well, happy to be here. I'm going to stop talking a little bit. So the reason you're here, and, and, and so that you know, this is not an interview. We're going to have a dialogue, a conversation, just as if you and I were having a conversation by ourselves at a coffee shop, and it allows our visitors to eavesdrop. And again, this, this is a thanks to, to Christopher Lockhead for coming up and creating this own category. But I wonder if maybe you could tell me a little bit about you and about your background. And, and then I would love to get into what culture is. And, yeah, uh, you know, maybe sure. You can get started with it. Absolutely. So um, I'm a, as you mentioned, I'm a cultural anthropologist. And today, I operate within the business realm. I help businesses with their culture. And, it, I, you know, I kind of took a circuitous route here. I was in, as you mentioned in my bio, a medical anthropologist, and I was working in areas of program evaluation. And throughout my career, I started recognizing that the highlight, the key of what I was working on was behavior change. And, you know, in the industry, people call me a behavior change specialist, but, but anthropology tells me that that's actually not where people, how people change. And, uh, and, and we know we can talk about that. People change because of their, their beliefs, not their behaviors. And what I started recognizing uh, as, I, as I went to companies and, was, and I was helping them on their business strategies, I'd been doing hmm. strategic planning with businesses for a long time that you know they could have a tremendous strategy it could be it could be spot on actually uh but if their culture was wonky in any way that strategy wasn't going to get implemented and as i was seeing this i was drawing on on my anthropological background and recognizing well i know what to do about that let's talk to them about culture and uh and i began to weave the two together culture and strategy and that's when i really saw my clients take off. And that's when things really started making a difference. And so now there are companies around the world that are attempting to implement change strategies. And uh, they're starting to recognize, thanks to people like you who are, who are singing the song, saying, you know, look, if you don't have a culture that backs that up, you're going to run into some issues. And uh, so that's when I come in and I can help them assess you know, what would, what would be the ideal culture that you think you would like to have? Then what is your culture today? Then let's develop a strategy to get your culture to where you want to be so that you're not tripping over yourself 30 y- yards out of the starting gate. You're actually getting it done and exceeding your own expectations. 
So I, I feel really blessed to be able to work actually in the field that I was trained in. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many anthropologists out there, right? Exactly. <laughs> how many anthropologists are out there today that can say that? But, you know, it really, it really is a, a, a beautiful place of synergy between, uh, you know, the business training that I have and then and the, the anthropological behavior change background that I have as well. I think that's fantastic. And can you define anthropology? Sure. Anthropology, really, anthropos and ology is the study of man. And there are four subfields of anthropology. People typically think of archaeology, you know, the Indiana Jones. (laughs) (laughs) But then there's also, there's physical anthropology. You watch the the CSI movies and and they bring in somebody to, to analyze human remains. That's physical anthropology. Then there's linguistics, the study of language, which I, I dabble in a little bit. And then finally, the fourth subfield, my own, sociocultural anthropology. And this is where we look at uh, the behaviors and the interactions of modern day peoples. Thank you for explaining that. Um, I think I had a good understanding what anthropology was, but it was nice to get that defined. And I just want to make sure sure I was thinking that other people were probably thinking the same thing. Uh, (laughs) No, do you know, it's always the first question when I come into a company and say, I'm a business anthropology, and they say, what the bleep is that? (laughs) So let's start there. So you bet. That's great. That's great. It's it's two apart. It really does. And, And I really love how you kind of, you're, 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 I don't know if you're implementing a, a, a full-scale cultural movement, but it, it's really important. I don't think people, they, they don't put enough value, and, and I'm, I'm just going to say this, I assume responsibility for saying this, but I'm going to say that most people do not understand the value of having, now there can be toxic, but uh, having a good culture. Um, it's it's insane, and so I'm wondering if maybe you can talk to the fact. Maybe maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what culture is, because I think people really need to understand kind of what it is that 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 you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's absolutely true, and I think I think Jamie, you're spot on when you say that that um, people don't really understand. Uh, what a good culture is too, because so many people will say, oh, but we don't have problems with our culture. Everybody's happy at work, but we have high turnover. And I'm thinking, really? Okay. So, you know, herein lies some problems with work or high absenteeism, or, you know, it manifests in some other ways. So, so yeah, let's start talking about what culture is, because from my perspective, culture starts with the individual. So we as human beings, we bring specific attributes to every interaction that we have with other people. And some of the the attributes specifically that I look at as an anthropologist are attitudes, which are highly changeable, your state of mind or your feeling in any given time, your behaviors, of course, that that leads to your outcomes. Those are your, your actions or your reactions to different things going on in the workplace. Then the mother of them all, the beliefs. And beliefs are, you know, not necessarily true, but they're your individual conviction in the truth of something. And, and the important thing to know is that your, that your behaviors and your beliefs are, are so intertwined because of the ways that our, our brains work uh, that, that we need beliefs in order to Uh, behave in certain ways. But that's the Mm. third attribute I look at. And then the fourth is your values, your qualities or standards that you deem to be worthwhile. 
And those are the least changeable and just absolutely have to be in alignment with a workplace when you get on board. So, so we as individuals, we bring this to the team. We bring these attributes. Now, anytime that you share those attributes with another human being, and then you overlay things like norms and traditions, such as you do in the workplace, now you've got a culture. So a culture forms when we as individuals come together in groups and we start behaving in similar ways. We have similar attitudes about the way things get done. We have beliefs about what's possible and what's not possible. And we have values and we share these values with other people. So we, we develop a, a culture and in some companies, there will be many subcultures that get formed based on your specific sales team or your uh, demographic, you know, your office place or, or, yeah. so, or, or your shift even. So, uh, so this, is the, this is the definition that I use when I go into a company and I go into an organization and start looking at their culture. It starts with the individual. I love that. I was talking with an executive uh, uh, from a pretty large company. I, I, would, I think they have thousands of people in their organization. And he said one of the neatest things that they do, speaking of subcultures, yeah. is whenever they want to launch a new thing, yeah. um, they'll launch it into a team. And they'll see how that team reacts to it. And if yeah. it's successful or they find out what's wrong with it, maybe on a smaller yeah. basis. And then if it's really good, then they introduce that to another team and then to That's another team. Great. And then pretty soon yeah. it could be company wide. Yeah. Do you know the brilliance about that, in my opinion, is, it, it, you know, I was saying in beliefs, we all believe about what's possible for us and what's not possible for us based on, on what we were culturally taught. You know, our parents or our uh, teachers or, you know, heaven forbid the media <laughs> tells us what's possible for us and who we're supposed to be. And oftentimes strategy is set at the very highest level, you know, in the, in the C-suite or uh, with the founders or the owners of the company. Now the owners, the founders, the C-suite, they have, they have beliefs about what's possible for their company based on their cultural upbringing. But then when you get down to the frontline workers, which could be several layers down, they have a different set of beliefs about what's possible for them and what's possible for the company and based on how they were enculturated. And if there's a disconnect between the beliefs of between structures or between teams, that's, that's the very definition of where workplace culture toxicity or problems uh, arise from. It's so true. It's so true. And it, 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 you touched earlier on you have the four different attributes. Mm -hmm. How do people, how can they, okay, let me go back first. So for us here, um, we, we're really big. Everybody that comes on board, um, we don't force them, right, to yeah. agree to, but we ask them to review our mission, our mm -hmm. vision. Two completely mm -hmm. separate things, and then of course yeah. our core values, of which we have four. And each of our core values um, are accompanied by a question, meaning is, is this something that we, 
you know, do you believe in this? Is it, do you share a similar belief system? We call it um, yeah, the vision, yeah. what we aspire to do. This is where we want to go. So everybody has a common yeah. goal, the mission, this is what right. we do on a day-to-day task. And then the core values and each one of the core values we listed out, you know, and, and you know, the, the type of people that we are and the type of people that we want to yeah. be, and the type of people that we want to work with or organizations. And then the question is, is this person, you know, someone that you would like. And if you answer yes to all these four core values, it's a good decision-making uh, yeah. a, a tool to have. D- how do you incorporate stuff like this with your attributes so that you can help people? Maybe this is a nice segue to how to get started looking at your culture. And is it, how do you do that? How do you introduce that part of it? Well, uh, it's such a great question, and it's it's a pretty deep question because there are a lot of different ways to go about it. So, so going back to your process, and and I absolutely love your process because you're you're of course viewing it through the lens of culture and are they the right fit? You know, we do a lot with hiring for fit. People throw that around and they say it, but they don't really know what it means. And they don't really know how to do it. Yeah. Um, and so, in in that hiring for fit, you know, the one thing that I would encourage you to add into that process. Is, uh, is a conversation about their beliefs about what they can do and what they can't do. You know, where we all have our strengths and hopefully in an interview process, we can articulate those well. But I want to know where somebody's strengths end and are they clear on when they need either further training or team members or some other structure to round out the, the continuum of what they believe is possible for them. So that's part of, you know, that's for, for just based on your strategy, but in the larger process and looking at, and looking at cultures and, uh, and, and how to even get started with, you know, what does this mean to me? Uh, I, I encourage people to look for people of influence so, you know, we're all, we're all bringing our attributes to these attributes to the workplace and we're all affecting culture and culture is going to, going to form whether you're doing it purposefully or not. Right. And it's going to, it's going to take shape because of the attitudes, behaviors, beliefs, and values of people of influence in your, in your organization. So you need to start asking yourself, who drives and dominates culture here? Who has influence? Now, from an anthropological perspective, we always look at who has wealth, power, or prestige. You know, and in a company, that means, you know, wealth or power. These are leadership positions. They can determine how much you make, how many hours you work, uh, when you're allowed to take a break. Uh, power is, is, is who, who's directing strategy. Who gets to tell who else what they need to be doing in order to do a job well done? But the, the third attribute here, prestige, this is a tricky one because as I'm sure you've seen, I know you came from corporate, uh, you've probably seen that, that we can lead from any position. And there are some people who are leading, uh, it, leading the organization and they don't necessarily have a leadership position. And it's important to look at who that is, who has influence and why do they have influence? You know, is it because of longevity? Because they've been there a long time. Is it because they're a, a dominant large personality? Sometimes it's an extrovert, but sometimes it's an introvert. I saw, I worked with a, a company in, in a large American automobile uh, manufacturing plant 
and and there was a there was a productivity problem in this culture where the the work play, sorry work pace was slow as molasses. And what I ended up finding was one particular worker who uh, was extremely small. And this woman had a very small voice. But she was influencing culture because it was her father was the pastor of the church that all of the other workers belonged to. So they looked up to her. And so she was able to influence culture at work. And because she had a work pace that was slow as molasses, everybody else adopted that pace. Mm. And so here's where their workplace culture was affecting their productivity because of somebody of influence within that culture who uh, everybody else looked up to. So, so, you know, step number one is who is creating your culture? And, and it absolutely always has to start with looking in the mirror, doesn't it? You know? <laughs> oh, it's subconscious, right? It's- yes. Things are happening without people even knowing it. That's exactly right. And that's actually where your beliefs lie. They lie in your subconscious. And sometimes it's about doing the work to, to draw that out or to, to shine a flashlight onto what's been hidden in there because we, we don't necessarily do it on purpose. We, uh, we're just living our lives and affecting other people. <laughs> we're humans. It's part of the human condition. Yeah. Wow, you know that's a really interesting. So, what maybe what is what is something that a leader can do to maybe begin this process? Do you pull a piece of paper out with every single person's name on it and maybe try to analyze or give them, uh, you know, a, a, a culture grade? Yeah, actually, we do. We look for those people of influence. And then with those people, this is, uh, it's a tricky thing because you can't do it for them, but you can do it with them to help them. This is step two now. Help them challenge their own limiting beliefs. Mm. You know, to do that work that you were just suggesting that you intuitively knew to do, that this is this is where you have to start pulling out some of these belief structures that you didn't recognize were holding you back, or you didn't recognize that they were not in accordance with the workplace that you're in. And, uh, and the more you start challenging your limiting beliefs, the more you're nimble in times of change. So a lot of the work that I do is in change management. And this is the, this is the crux of everything, Jamie, is that the more work that an individual of influence does to challenge their own limiting beliefs, the more uh, able and adaptable they will be in times of change moving forward. So in other words, if you want to change your strategy in the workplace, you need to look at who's influencing your culture and then you need to talk to them about their beliefs, specifically the ones that may be holding them back. And that's going back to the brilliance of your friend who was talking about rolling it out in a team and then going from there, because in that pilot team, now you're going to start recognizing, okay, here are some of the common beliefs that are operating outside of the beliefs of the, of the people who set the strategy to begin with. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that, that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. And you know, I don't think people should feel overwhelmed when they start taking this on because I think you can kind of piecemeal this together. You can actually mm-hmm. plan it. Heck, you can hire Janine. <laughs> but the, but, the, right. but in, in starting to do this, I think keep, keep, keep this in the back of your head 
and 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 maybe maybe I'm wrong, but you're making everything better. It's for the greater good that you're doing this. Because here's one of the challenges that I have with this. And um, unfortunately, I just had to go through this. Um, when you're identifying, you know, who is that leader? Um, you know, what, what, are the, what are the positive things they're doing? What are maybe the more challenging things that, 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 that they're, they're preventing us from getting to where we need to be? Um, and going through this and trying to work with them and, and, and build them and, and, and actually, like you said, work with them. The problem is they're still not able to improve. Good person, the, the church leaders, the pastor's daughter, unbelievable person, everybody loves, but it's not a good fit. It's, you know, it slows molasses. We need to bring production up. You know, it's got to be the company, then the staff, then the clients. But what do you do in that situation when it's, when it's a good person? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is the, the benefit of focusing on culture versus strategy is that you can have a, a graceful conversation with somebody about fit, where it doesn't need to be about a shortcoming so much as it is about a match. And, uh, you know, when, when I look through the steps of my process, one of the, the step five, one of the things I need to see is how willing are they to adapt to this kind of change? Mm. And some people aren't, you know, some people can change. You point out, look, you're slow. We need, we need this to change. We will help you in this. We will support you and empower you through this process if they say, yes, right on, I'm on board, let's do this, then, then you can bring them up. If they say, ah, oh, hell no, I'm not on board, you know, I'm, I don't want anything about change, that's when it's time to bless and release and have that graceful conversation with somebody and say, you are going to find the perfect fit for you somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And we need to put somebody in that position who's the perfect fit for us. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, uh, so I, I don't want to take up too much of your time today. Uh, this, this has been unbelievable because these are two very important topics that I think people can really learn a lot from. But how do people uh, reach out to you or get in touch with you? And is, is there anything Wonderful. you can do to kind of help them on their way and get them started? I, I would love to help your listeners along their way. Absolutely. As you mentioned, my, my, um, my website is standinyourstrength.com. And what I'd like to do, Jamie, for your listeners is, uh, is to offer them a, a worksheet that I have that's called 10 Places in Your Workplace Culture Where Productivity Traps Hide. Now, I've given you three today, you know, to talking about who's creating your culture and talking about their limiting beliefs and then also how willing, how willing they are to adapt to change. But there are seven more that I'd love to share with everybody. And of course, we don't have time here. So if they go to standinyourstrength.com slash culture eats strategy, I'm going to set this up specifically for your, your listeners to download. So cool. And uh, yeah, would love to help them along the way. And of course, I'll include information about how they can get in touch with me. If they have questions about implementing that in their own unique culture, 
I want to have a conversation with them because like you, what I really want is I want people singing in the shower in the morning before they go to work instead of dreading <laughs> getting to, you know, slogging themselves into work each day. So uh, that's, I, that's my mission. That's, that's what I'm here for. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine how exciting it is to go to work? It's Monday morning. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? right. Exactly. And and to see somebody capture that again after they've lost it, or maybe they never had it, but then they get it all of a sudden. And uh, oh, it's just, I, that's, what I, that's what I'm here for. You know, I love that process. Thank it's you. so good. Thank you for that, because that is a huge gift. I, it, it's, it's amazing when you go into work to be with your friends to be with your family. Uh, what a difference. What a difference. What a difference. Exactly. Oh well, thank you for that. So it's standinyourstrength.com forward slash culture eat strategy. Um, exactly. Where they can get the, uh, the 10 places in your workplace culture where productivity uh, well, can hide. Traps. Traps. traps where productivity productivity traps hide gotcha. and that's that's really what we're looking for you know when people are happy at work they're productive and when yeah. they're productive at work it's profitable for the company and so you want people to be happy at work oh my yeah. gosh well is there anything else you would like to do or say before we wrap today uh, thank you for asking. Yes. What I want people to do, I want to end this just with a, an Emily Dickinson quote, which is dwell in possibility. I want people to start thinking about what would be possible for me, for my workplace, for my culture, if people were truly happy. What would they do differently if, they re if the culture were as strong as it could possibly be? How would that translate for me? What's possible me because that's where it really starts i love that dwell in possibilities <laughs> well thank you so much uh i really appreciate you taking the time today uh to stop it's by and what pleasure. a wonderful conversation uh i've learned a lot so thank you for sharing <laughs> I, I agree it's been wonderful being here with you jamie keep doing the good work that you're doing you're you're spreading the gospel in my mind it's, it's very good <laughs> oh, thank you and you too you too well hold on one quick second i'll go ahead and wrap uh it, we've been talking to janine perlstein and uh blows my mind i absolutely love everything about what she's doing um reach out, go check out standinyourstrength.com uh, forward slash culture strategy uh, to start off with that one, but just go check it out. I, uh, you will not be let down. Uh, she is, she is in, in being in my first conversation with her. Um, I'm actually leaving the conversation in a much happier place than where I was before I came, which it was hard to do because I was in a pretty dang happy place. Um, <laughs> so thank you for tuning in today. Remember, you can go and learn more about this podcast simply by Googling culture eat strategy podcast would pop up there. But if you go to culture.bottleneck.online. Uh, we have all the episodes. Now, we'll have all the show notes covering this. So if you're driving right now, don't worry. You can always go back to it afterwards to download this or to get, get the links or doing whatever we were that we talked about today. Um, I'll also have... Um, 
the, all the links to Janine's website, her social media, so you can go follow her and do all of that kind of stuff. And if you have any questions, please reach out to us, info at bottleneck.online. If you're on iTunes or not iTunes anymore, podcast, Apple podcast, uh, go ahead and like us, uh, you know, leave a comment, rating and review. That'll help uh, the word that Janine is talking about and so many others get out to so many more people. So thank you so much again for being a fan of Culture Eat Strategy. Thank you to Janine Perlstein for sharing your wisdom and spreading your happiness. Uh, it's been fantastic talking with you. My name is Jamie J, your host of Culture Eat Strategy. Hope you have an amazing day. And, and remember, stop the bottleneck in your business. If you're getting crazy and overwhelmed and frustrated, maybe it's time you need to look at getting a virtual assistant. Go to bottleneck.online to learn more and we will talk with you soon. Thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you.